0: Welcome to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack. Joined on the phone from Miami by Rob Casty. Rob made
1: it home from Las Vegas safely. How you doing, Bud? I'm doing. It's good. I mean, it's uh, not not before I had to uh, run through a security door in a casino and hide in a storage closet. But other than that, you know, things are good. And of course, uh, Nick Kruger in
0: Texas. Nick, Nick, how you doing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> good man i'm just uh reclining in my lazy boy taking a load off and the safety and security of my own home so
0: rob give it so rob, were you staying at
1: mandalay bay what was the situation no here's what happened so everything happened at mandalay bay we we're staying at caesar's we were at a casino halfway in between so we heard all this went down and it's uh you know it's where like hard to get information there's misinformation on twitter there's misinformation everywhere people are freaking out. So they lock us inside of the casino that we're in. Uh, Nobody's allowed to leave. Nobody's allowed to come in. But all of a sudden, like 10 people, I don't know if it's like a false alarm or if it's the people from Mandalay Bay, they just like storm the door and sprint in. So when this happens, you can imagine how that goes, right? I throw the drink in my hand, everybody scatters. Uh, I ran (laughs) through a security door, like I said, like through some security guards. Uh, and went into a part of a casino I don't think the public is ever supposed to see. Uh, basically, like running around in the maze of halls behind uh, the casino floor, uh, and it's just me and this two like these two Brazilian people uh, run into this security room and stay in there for about an hour until they all clear the casino. Uh, I don't think anything actually happened there. I think that it was just those people ran like when somebody storms the door in a situation like that, everybody freaks out. Uh, so, you know, I was never actually in danger, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> that was, you know, it was kind of scary. You know, it's just a bad situation. It was a bad night to be in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's tragic.
0: Yeah. I think Edward Lewis, who, uh, covers UCLA for us was actually at the music festival where everything went down. So, uh, obviously, you know, uh, tough situation. So we've, uh, we've, we've been through uh, ups and downs as Nick went through Hurricane Harvey, Rob went through Irma, and then and then, so and then Rob out in Las Vegas. So luckily, we're all safe. Uh, obviously, have it a lot better than a lot of people. So we're glad you're back, Rob. Even though we didn't really hear from you
1: all weekend, you really went off. You really went off the map. We didn't even know you were going to be on today. Yeah, no, I was uh, intentionally did that. I didn't even really look at Twitter that much until uh, after you know after the, the tragedy forced me to kind of start looking at. It, I was uh, I, I decided I was going to go dark, and I went dark, and I stayed dark, and it was wonderful.
0: All right, so move on to uh, obviously less pressing topics. We're going to pick our games of the week. Last week, Nick, the winner, going two and one. Congratulations, Nick. That's right. I went 0-3 uh, as I continue my <laughs> slide down. <laughs> I'm now 5-1 the year. Nick raised his record eight and 8 Rob went 1-2, but it's still 11-5. So if you listen to Rob's picks, you're
1: fine. Don't listen to me on anything. I'm an idiot. I think you're due. I think you're this is going to turn. Everything regresses to the mean when you're not like, actually you – know, when it's not a game of skill. Uh, so I think, I think you'll be all right. I think I'm due for a turn and you're due for a turn.
0: Well, I told Nick. I think I texted him on Friday and said I just listened to like five college football podcasts, and every single one of them picked Washington State. Uh, and so, so, oftentimes when it's like that, you you go against it and you're fine. But yeah, not this week. You know, Washington State they won that game, uh, which it was, it was pretty fun to watch. I think Nick and I were both watching as we were uh, on the road traveling. But all right, this week let's get right into the picks. First game, Louisville. Uh, three and a half point favorite traveling to uh, the triangle to play NC State, the Wolfpack. Uh, one time uh, school of mine. <laughs> now, this is a t- I'm going to go first. Uh, this is a tough line because we saw NC State play well against Florida State, but I got news for you. Lamar Jackson is still awesome. And three and a half points, I expect him to go down there and win that game. So
1: uh, I'm going to pick the Cardinals. What do you think, Rob? I think I agree with you. I think this is a uh, broken line. I don't understand. Um, why it's so low I think Louisville is the more talented team in every position and this is what I said about Texas last week it's like fine I understand their struggles here but I'll take the team with all the good players against the team with none of the good players nine times out of ten uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the cards
2: well I, I was just gonna say I'll, I'll take Louisville too but uh you know I feel I feel more confident than you guys are that there's a uh, close game potential here between these two teams they, they did some they did some tricky things to score on FSU that I like to see and uh, everybody knows their defense is, uh, you know, a pretty good a pretty good unit. You got to think the moment I, I never feel good about betting on Louisville as all, you know, because I always feel like they're really a uh, emotional roller coaster every game. But, yeah, and we saw what happened last year when
0: they kind of got knocked out of it and they went and and the, their, their season kind of went in the tank after that. Um. All right. Game number two: West Virginia at TCU. Consider yourself horned. College game day coming to Fort Worth, and boy, can you imagine, Nick, what Studio Eighty is going to be like? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could. I can imagine. What something it's tells be me like, Studio huh? Eighty is not a
1: college bar. <laughs> uh
0: Rob. Boy, we got to get you out to Fort Worth and to Studio Eighty, a friend of the show, a venue for sure. As so Nick and I've been there a few times. It, you can you can imagine it's an '80s themed bar with a very big, huge dance floor. It's got a second room with another dance floor with the light up
1: panels on the floor underneath you. Tell me about the clientele of Studio '80.
2: Uh, Oh, very, you know, funny you should ask that, you know, speaking, speaking of game day being at TCU, we happen to know uh, some TCU personnel that happened to frequent Studio 80, I believe. (laughs) I would say several highly
0: ranking athletic officials for TCU.
1: Okay, so it's not students. It's like, uh, it's people that remember the 80s.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it would not be a young crowd. I would say Nick and I were among the youngest clientele on <laughs> hand. Exactly figured. <laughs> but as you know, those are the places where you have the most fun. It's like I was going to at- say, some
1: people have a type when it comes to women. You two have a type when it comes to bars. Yeah. <laughs> this exactly. is- we, like, we like to go there. Well, we like to be the youngest and the best looking people there.
0: Can you blame us? I mean, the bells are the ball. Um, all, right, all right, Nick, since uh, this is your home state, we're going to let you go ahead and go first.
2: Uh, well, you know, after seeing what TCU did against Oklahoma State uh, last week, I'm just kind of operating on the on the logic that West Virginia's uh, you know best chance at winning is through the quarterback position, and uh, TCU was able to shut down a good quarterback last week, so I'll pick him again here.
0: All right, I'm going to do the same. I you know it, it's tough. Twelve and a half is a lot of points. I like West Virginia as a team, but. You know, we loved Oklahoma State. We saw what uh, TCU did to them. That was on the road. I think being back home, this is a huge game, and I expect them uh, to to go out and win pretty comfortably. Rob?
1: TCU off a of bye as well, correct? They didn't play last week.
0: Yeah, he meant – Rob meant – or Nick meant the
1: uh, Oklahoma State game two weeks yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, so so they're off a of bye. Man, it seems like everything's telling me to pick TCU except for that you two clowns are on TCU. I'm going to take West Virginia. Uh, I think that's a lot of points. I think West Virginia can score in a hurry. They did beat the. This is tough. I'm I'm conflicted here. Uh, I'm going to take West Virginia, I guess, just because I believe in the offense and I want to be different, which is terrible, terrible. I reason to take a team. I understand that, uh, but yeah,
2: <laughs> no, that is a lot of points. Though I agree with you that that's a very that's a dicey proposition. I will stick sure. I'll stick with the stick with the Mountaineers.
0: Yeah, they burned West Virginia burned me week one, so I'm out on them. And that Virginia Tech game, which they should have uh, covered. Yeah, in that red. was inexcusable. Uh, man, <laughs> that, you know, that was bad. <laughs> so sorry Mountaineers I'm out on you now we had to go with a bonus game only two ranked matchups what a bad week for college football but you know it's always fun when we sit around and watch it so I shouldn't say that Miami a three point favorite going to Florida State and boy as uh, Rob and I see on Twitter the, the the fans Miami's very very confident in this game I mean it is it's ridiculous their fans are basically already celebrating the victory obviously this is a rivalry so it's going to be a good one but Uh, Rob,
1: it's a Florida game. Go the Florida, man. Go ahead. The Florida State offense is broken, man. Uh, They've got more talent. Miami hasn't looked perfect either. Let's not – I mean, let's not – you know, Florida State is obviously broken. Miami might be broken still. Uh, I don't think that they've looked dominant uh, for any length of time. I mean, for certain parts of certain games they have against teams that they should be dominant against. I think Miami's going to win because Florida State's quarterback situation is really not ideal right now. Uh, Miami's defense is very good. I've got the Hurricanes to cover All
0: right. What will I do? What will I pick? You know what? I'm going to take Miami, too. Uh, It's all about the you on this podcast. So I think uh, Florida State stinks, unfortunately. They they, uh, pushed last week as a seven-point favorite at uh, Wake Forest. They probably could have lost that game. And uh I don't know, I just don't have a good feeling about them it, it's it's stinks because they have a good team, but it's just you know losing Francois really took the air out of their season, and I think Miami's right ripe to go up there and, and get a win. Rob or excuse me, Nick uh, I'll take Miami oh, too. boy a clean sweep, so so Nick and I go with the same picks. Uh, we take Louisville, TCU and miami. Rob takes Louisville, West Virginia, and Miami, so if uh you follow the trends. Rob should be right, and I will be wrong and lose all of my games. I'm not only last in this picking contest; I'm dead last in the staff overall picking contest. So keep 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 that in mind I uh, take that into advisement.
2: Banter here yeah, for exactly. you. Yeah,
0: Despite watching you know twenty games a week, I still can't get it right. So, all right, let's move on. We got all we got all types of topics. We're gonna kick it off with Georgia. The Bulldogs go into Tennessee just dominate uh the vols it was obviously an embarrassment if if you're a tennessee fan or on the tennessee team losing getting shut out at home for the first time in like 20 years but an interesting thing happened during the game as we heard gary danielson sort of allude to the fact that that jacob eason uh is now the backup and it was interesting we didn't know if he was hurt or we didn't know if he was healthy so I, I sort of tweeted at the time, I was like, you know, he's he's talking about, he sort of mentioned him transferring and, you know, it's going to be precarious if Fromm gets hurt next year and they don't have anyone behind him. So my question is, we went through this a couple of years ago with Kyle Allen, which uh, led to some, you know, comments that, did, that didn't go over very well uh, on this podcast. What do we think Jacob Easton's going to do now? He's clearly healthy. They put him in at the end of the game. He can play. He's been demoted. He lost his gig. I mean Jake Fromm is is you know, essentially a game manager. A lot of comparisons to Aaron Murray, which I always said when he was in high school. I thought he really reminded him uh, me of him. but Eason's the guy that is you know supposed to be Matthew Stafford or whoever with the, with the big arm. These guys were both ranked as five stars. It looks like Eason's you know gonna be the backup going forward. What do we think happens? Do we think he actually transfers as Danielson suggested? Uh, or, or what do you
1: guys think is uh, – how is it, it going to shake out? I think if it – I mean, anything can change. You know, Fromm can have a disaster of a game and it changes. But who knows how the season plays out. But if the season plays out the way it seems to be playing out, Georgia plays for an SEC championship, it's going to be mighty hard for Jacob Eason not to transfer. I think it's one thing if you're the backup at Georgia, uh, a five-star with all this hype in the world, and you're from Georgia or Florida – But to be from Washington and be all the way – I mean, do you go to school all the way across the country to back up another quarterback for your entire career? I mean, I don't – I think that factors in for sure where he's from at this point. I mean, it's – that's not – Why he went across the country to college to be backup. And I think that if the season plays out the way it is and Jake Fromm leads this team into the SEC title game or even somehow wins the SEC title game, then for sure he's going to enter next season as the backup almost no matter what because you don't tinker with what works. In that case, uh, I think he's out of there. I think he'll look for greener pastures, possibly West Coast greener pastures, and and we'll see what happens because I think there's still a market for him. It's not like Jake Beeson has played and proven to be bad. He's been hurt. Uh, he played his true freshman season for some of it, not even the entire season. And showed flashes during that. I think there's going to be a massive market for him if he decides to stay at the transfer market.
0: Yeah, I agree. There, the the, the thing that's interesting for me is uh, you, you talked about him playing. I mean, if we look at the numbers, and I'm sure this is a debate among Georgia fans who who kind of fell in love with Fromm even before he started playing. He's he's the he's the in state kid, um, and this week he had you. The storyline is he hasn't announced who's starting. I mean, I I couldn't imagine not starting From. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, (laughs) like you said, he led a forty-one nothing victory. Even though I saw some Tennessee media after the game talking about how From needed to play better, and I'm like, well, you know, they won forty-one to nothing. I don't think
1: I don't think he needs to play that much better. How mad Um, would Georgia fans be if they started Eason? And then lost. I <laughs> mean, Kirby cannot do that. It's way too much of a risk. Right. Exactly. So if we look back last year, I mean,
0: the way Eason, you know, Eason threw a lot of picks, sixteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. He got sacked a ton. I mean, I think that has to be factored into. I think the the def- the offensive line is playing way better. I also think, uh, as we saw from Fromm in high school, his specialty is he gets the ball out quickly. Um, and, and I think that helps, you know, especially in this offense, given the health of Chubb and Sony Michelle, And, I mean, DeAndre Swift looks like a future star. I mean, they have – I tweeted the other day. They have five deep running backs probably that can play if you consider Elijah Holyfield who's averaging, you know, five yards a carry. So, you know, the, given their offense, I I just think Fromm's the guy. And I think Eason probably will transfer. And, and that's where I want to kind of bring us to our next topic. There's nothing wrong with transferring.
2: boy oh, yeah. What about what about this scenario? So you look over at Washington, in Eason's home state, and Jake Browning's a junior right now, and uh, maybe there's a maybe there's a reconnection with him heading back to Washington. Boy,
0: Nick just sources close to Washington say, <laughs> well, if we remember, there was Eason fueled this podcast. Eason was. The Justin Fields before Justin Fields, in terms of giving us stuff to talk about every week, when he almost went to Florida and started looking around there at the very end of his recruitment, we had Snapchat videos being saved by uh, people on the message boards and all types of things going on, uh, which would later get Rob in trouble on another podcast interview. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I think, I think he leaves, and I think that's okay. And I also think if he does leave. It helps them with Justin Fields. I mean, how how can it not how can it not help them if because the the storyline among other schools and this was something that I heard during the summer was Fields is being told Fromm isn't good. Okay, this is what other coaches were saying. They were saying you notice there's no hype around Fromm coming out of. Uh, fall uh, of uh, fall camp. Nobody's talking about him like they were in the spring. Eason's clearly the guy. They're doing that because they want Fields to think he can come in and compete with Fromm. Fromm's not competition for him. Now, if Fields does commit to Georgia, clearly Fromm is going to be competition for him. But at the same time, he's going to have a chance to, to, you know, what if Fromm gets hurt? Then Fields is on, you know, he's one snap away, one play away from being the guy. So, I think personally, I think it does help them, and I and I think that's something that that Georgia fans need to take into account as well. As Fields has been to Georgia like you know six times now, the situation at Florida State is a, is turning into a bit of a disaster now. I want I did want to talk to you. Fields went to Alabama this week on an official visit, another surprise official visit, which is really my favorite thing when Justin Fields is just tweets on Saturday morning which city he's in, uh, and then watch. <laughs> the, the meltdown. Watch reporters retweet him saying the exact same thing that he
1: said. Which yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in Alabama, five star quarterback in Alabama. Wow, <laughs> awesome! <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for the so comment All
0: right, that's uh that's a big thing that people like to do. Uh, and us not included. Crazy, I, boy! Yeah, I'm to a, that,
1: but you know yeah. how that gets my blood going. Rob does not like that. So
0: I talked to Andrew Bone uh, about this, and he said, "Look." Alabama doesn't take out a shot. They kind of know that that you know they got the visit, but that doesn't really mean a whole lot. So I don't think Alabama is going to be a factor. I do think, boy, uh, I don't know, man. I'm starting to feel more and more like Georgia. I know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Rob. You said the same thing. Do you? What do you? Do you think this Easton situation factors into his decision at all?
1: Yeah, and I think it depends. Um, it depends how far this goes, right? If Jake Fromm wins the SEC, then does it doesn't matter if Jake, I mean, no matter what happens, if Jake Fromm wins the SEC, which I don't think is impossible, you know, Alabama is a very good football team. I think Georgia is clearly the best team in the division. They may play, they may, may or may not play Alabama. But if he wins the SEC, then what in the world would our boy Fields even have to do to win the job? I mean, you can't. There is no scenario, no matter how good Justin Fields is, if you're Georgia that's waited so long to do this, that you can bench Jake Fromm at any point during his career, uh, unless he goes completely off the rails, and put in Justin Fields. Now, granted, he's younger. Um, Fields would still have a year to play there. But I, I still think that, that that creates some sort of, like, you know, check, check mark in the box, that, you know, the box that says against going to Georgia. Uh, But at the same time, Florida State looks like a total disaster. Do you want to go there even if you can be the guy right now because it looks to be falling apart? I don't know about in the future. I mean, maybe he's the guy that can save the team. But I think there's still stuff for Florida State to sell uh, even if Easton transfers because if Easton transfers, it will be because Jake Fromm is entrenched at the start. Uh, it's going to be mighty interesting. I still think I'm starting to trend towards Georgia because that's what logic would would dictate. I don't have any inside source on that, um, but it, it'll be mighty interesting to see. I just I'm just saying that you know Eason leaving will be the product of another hurdle for Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. If if they even if they make the SEC championship game and say they lose to Alabama, you can't from has got to be the guy. I mean, you can't. You know, some people were arguing about stats and and things of that
1: nature. I don't know. I I just think, and they're probably right. Uh, I mean, those people are probably right, and they're logical because you know numbers don't lie. I'm a big numbers guy, but football coaches are not logical, and football coaches are all about leadership and experience and rah rah rah. And statistics don't mean anything. So you know, you just this doesn't work in football world where you just replace a a guy that led you to the SEC title game.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So. Uh, the thing I did want to talk about with Alabama—they had not only Fields on campus, they also had Jaron Williams, who's committed to Kentucky, and Emery Jones, who's committed to Ohio State. So you're talking about you know multiple multiple five stars and enough uh, Williams, who's a four star. Some people, uh, Justin Rowland at our uh, Kentucky site, Cats Illustrated, said you know Williams went with some of his teammates. It's not a big deal. I, I think it's. I, I still don't think he's their number one guy. I think Jones is who they're focused on, but I do think it's notable that he was there. But Emory Jones, this is the third time he's visited Alabama, uh, you know, in the recent months, and I really think the Tide are, are are making a move there behind the scenes. And Ohio State's added some some highly ranked quarterbacks every year. We saw, you know, JT Barrett struggle, and they they didn't want to go to the backup. They've stuck with him. It's it's worked out well for them, but. I do think I don't know, man. I'm starting to get the feeling that Emory Jones is going to be a
1: Philadelphia. Uh, I, I really, I really think he's. But you really dated yourself there. Is that the that's the that's the episode title of an Always Sunny, isn't it? Flip, flip,
0: yeah. Flipadelphia. Amazing. You remember that one? That's probably solid seven years old, right? Yeah, that's a good one though. I'm glad I caught it because I remember when Chip Kelly went to the Eagles, there was some Chip, Chip, Chipadelphia uh, talk. But anyway. <laughs> Talk about getting sidetracked. I think I think he's on flip watch, and I, I I think you know this is you're talking about a guy from off the beaten path. This is not an Atlanta kid. This is a you know Emery Jones lives out in the country, uh, and and I just think you know you look at it. I mean Tuscaloosa is not that far away from where he's from. You're talking about two, a two hour trip. I know he he committed to Ohio State. And it, that was a classic. He was going to commit to Tennessee, and then Urban Meyer called him and told him to wait. And then, of course, he went there because that's what Urban Meyer does. But I just think, you know, he's feeling the love, and and who knows? Maybe Ohio State has cooled on him a little bit, and and Alabama's turned up the heat. I just think if you if you look at Alabama, you've got Jalen Hurts, uh, then you've got you know Tua. I mean, there's not an easier – there's not a path to playing time there. There's not really a path to playing time right away at Ohio State either. So maybe he would just rather be close to home. So I think that's one to track if you're an Alabama fan. I think if you're a Ohio State fan, you need to watch and see uh, what's going on with him, especially as as things continue to move along. All right. Boy, God, man, I don't know why I put this on here. Number three, Tennessee, Tennessee – yeah, I mean, what, what, can we t- what can we even say, guys? I wanted to do a fun exercise, which uh, I think you guys will appreciate. I know Rob will appreciate it. I got an email. Sometimes, you know, we get lots of emails uh, from, from all types of PR people and stuff like that. So I was handed this email that said, from Stancil Media Consulting. Said, who will coach Tennessee in two thousand
1: eight? I got that one too.
0: Yeah, coming off a of 41-0 drubbing at home to Georgia, most seem to think Butch Jones isn't long for the Tennessee job. And there's a betting website is now taking bets on who will coach the Vols for the two thousand eighteen season. Now, did you read this email?
1: Rob? I did not. I saw that. Okay. I, I rarely read emails from PR companies unless they're you know someone's available and I'd like to interview that person.
0: Okay, well, we know Nick didn't read it because it's an email. <laughs> so who do, we think is, who do you guys think has the best odds to uh, replace Butch Jones and be – I'm going I'm to give you a hint. That, well, I'm not going to give you a hint. Uh, there's, 10, there's 10 or 11 guys on a list. So who do you think is the best odds right now? Bro? I would
1: assume that Scott Frost is on that list.
0: Boy, listen to this. Scott Frost did not make the cut. Wow. wow. Don't tell that to Tennessee fans because I've seen a lot of Scott Frost talk on that message board. So, uh, Nick, you get now. It's time for your pick.
2: Um, I'll take the coach from Troy. <laughs> Boy, I don't even know what his name is. is.
0: Willie Taggart on that list? <laughs> no, no Willie Taggart. I don't think the coach from Troy is on here, unless it
1: less yeah, miles. Less
0: miles plus one thousand. He has the one, two, three, four, five, six. He has the eighth best odds. So let's let's go down the list. Number one at plus three twenty five, Chip Kelly. Oh. He's the he's the top of Idiot. he's the top of the list. Everybody wants Chip. Um, and I saw a Tennessee fan who had cooked up uh, a theory that Mark Helfrich didn't take a college football job this year purposely. He's working on TV, so him and Chip can reunite at whatever uh, school they choose. And uh, the Tennessee fans were getting real excited about that possibility. I do think he would be good there. I don't think he's going to be the guy though unfortunately number two jeff Braum, the head coach at purdue is the second choice but then it goes bobby petrino from louisville As we saw his buyout was slashed in half I, I i'd be fun to have bobby back in the sec he caused all types of havoc when he was at arkansas you know i love uh disruptors like that next is mike norvell the head coach of memphis then it goes pj fleck from minnesota bob stoops <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought what's I the think hot top? stoops All right plus 900 for Stoops uh, that means if you bet a 100 you win 900 dollars if they hire if he coaches the first game and then um then it goes T Martin, who is the USC offensive coordinator, former Tennessee quarterback Les miles, Jim Bob Cooter, uh, one of Rob's favorite players or five favorite assistant coaches <laughs> what is he still the lions offensive
1: coordinator? What does he do? I don't know, but I've got to – all right. I, I think it's really, really hard to recruit if your name is Jim Bob. I mean I can't imagine calling somebody and being like, yeah, this is Jim Bob from Tennessee. Come to my school. <laughs> yeah, Jim Bob, is a, Jim
0: Bob is a Fayetteville, Tennessee native and went to Tennessee. So uh,
1: he uh, is the offensive coordinator for the Lions. I was right about that one. You know who else is like an assistant coach for the Lions is Mr. Ron Prince. He's the associate head coach.
0: The former, uh, what was what was his job? The Kansas State head coach it was during the failed coach. era. Is he uh, is he on the list? No, he's not. Oh, then it goes uh, after after Jim Bob goes Dan Mullen, John Gruden, Brian Kelly, and at plus ten thousand Peyton Manning, which, <laughs> which would be amazing if they just hired Peyton Manning as a head coach. I would love that. <laughs> and <laughs> last but not least, Lane Kiffin, a return to Rocky Top. Is oh, Bush my opponent. gosh. Wow. I hate- no, Butch Jones is not on list, which is surprising because you should be able to bet Butch to keep his own job. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so anyway, that's a fun exercise. mixes up our Tennessee talk. I do think there's all types of rumors. We've got all types of Tennessee commits talking about opening their recruitment but not decommitting. Cade Mays, the five-star offensive lineman who we had on the show just openly loving Tennessee two or three weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, people are wondering what's going on with him. Did he, some people thought he visited Clemson, turned out it was his brother, and uh, he's gone silent. He took all his Tennessee commit stuff off of his Twitter. And yesterday, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, yesterday, it appears the Tennessee staff had all their players, all their commits uh, tweet out a, the same graphic. Uh they were it was a custom graphic for each player talking about how they were committed. Miami and uh Cade yeah Cade did not tweet it. Um I believe Alante Taylor, let me check, did not tweet it as well. He also took off the Tennessee commit from his uh bio. also unfollowed me on Twitter as well. <laughs> Add that to the to the newsworthy items. And then uh Brendan Harris announced today, which I was trying to actually figure it out uh, if he'd be committed or not because it said, I think he said he, he is now open to all schools. I'd like to announce that I'm now open to all
1: schools. So, what does that mean? Is that a decommitment or not, Rob? Well, considering the word decommitment is fake and doesn't mean anything, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it could no, it be. <laughs> be.
0: I heard Bob Lee say decommitment the other day. So, can't believe that. Guess what? It's a. It's a real word, as, as far as I'm concerned. So, what's
1: the definition of it then, though?
0: I guess it means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it means de- announcing that you're no longer committed to a particular college. Okay, so
1: so does this? I guess no. I I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't fit the, the the definition of the word. What he did, right? I mean, what's the difference between opening your recruitment to all schools and not being committed to? Uh, it, it, I mean, this is just, this is making my head hurt. <laughs> Rob's too grouchy for this type of talk today. So
0: anyway, those are three of their highest ranked commits, all in-state guys. I think that is a story. That's a situation that we really need to pay attention to uh, going forward. So uh, hit us up if you if you got a better candidate. Scott Frost, by the way, if we're looking at those betting odds, Scott Frost should be Right in the Jeff Brom region of that list. Don't I you think he's the new Tom Herman, man.
1: I love him. Uh, every, I mean, he, that for Tom 12. Herman. He was oh, I mean, but he should be getting the Tom Herman love, is what I'm saying. You know, people should be, you know, having pissing wars on the internet about who's going to land him. That team was I, 12 two years ago. I agree. He's at, He's at my alma mater. I don't want him to leave. Now they're, now they're a covering machine. Not only are they winning, they're winning by a lot <laughs> every
0: they're, week. They're blowing people out. They blew out Maryland. Blew out. Memphis, who knows? If they played UCLA, they might beat him by 50. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Number four, um, LSU. Jeez, oh, Pete. We waited a while to talk about this one. Speaking of decommitments and fake words that, that Rob hates, Kelvin Joseph, also known as Fat. <laughs> That's his nickname. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he decommits from LSU yesterday. He had been committed for 18 months. So that that is a that's a real commitment, you know. That's a that's longer than some relationships, or some marriages, even. No doubt, he, he backs off his pledge. They lost to Troy. Everything's going to heck in a handbasket. H-E double hockey sticks, as Nick would say. What do we? Think?
1: What do you think, Rob? What was your take on that Troy loss? It's bad, man. It's really bad. I, I like Ed. (laughs) I I don't know, man. I don't think that this is this is a great hire anymore. I I never thought it was a great hire, but I was in the camp of give it a minute and let's see, uh, because he has experienced success. You know, you read things that he's meddling in the offense and telling that Canada not to, you know, do everything that makes his offense run. I don't know. LSU fans were already a little bit anxious. I guess we cannot be distracted from the fact that they fired Les Miles for no reason, and this is kind of what you get. Uh, you know, I hate I hate saying that, but you got to have somebody in mind if you're going to fire Les Miles, who was a very good football coach, who did a lot of very good things at LSU, and a lot of people were a little bit stunned when that happened, and LSU fans or some faction of them couldn't understand why he hit his ceiling. He hit his ceiling. Well, guess what? Uh, I think Ed may have hit his ceiling, and I think it is significantly lower than, than Les Miles' ceiling.
0: Yeah, I, well, we, you know, I don't know. You know how I feel. I don't, I don't have a relationship with Coach L. I've never, uh, uh, I did when he was an assistant coach. Uh, Then when he became the head coach, couldn't even come over, shake my hand at the camp. (laughs) This has been mentioned a couple of times on this podcast. Uh, Then people close to the program sent me, uh, you know, some text messages uh, about, recruiting rankings which is hard to believe because they don't care about rankings right so anyway uh I, I think they're worried about all the wrong stuff here i think coach o meddling with the offense that's a disaster we, we heard that at, at old miss that was one of his downfalls and the whole point of bringing in these hot shot coordinators is to let them do their thing so you know for him to say there's too much emotion and too what i mean that's ridiculous and i i, I try to track that down a little bit because i saw a lot of people talking about it i, I just think Look, the guy is a great recruiter. He's a great D line coach. I, some guys just aren't meant to be head coaches, and that that may be the situation with him. Obviously, you know, much like Tennessee, they're they're three and two. They they have plenty of time to turn this around. You know, they could still go nine and three, really, or eight and four. But I don't know, man. I just I don't have a good feeling of the way everything's. going. I didn't have a good feeling when I was down there in the summer, and I remember telling someone, you know, I, I'm not sure what, what's going on here. And then uh, this past week, you know, I had a friend ask me what I thought of that game, and I told him, you know, that I like Troy's chances to to at least cover that. They obviously win outright. That's, a, that's an embarrassment. I mean, it got kind of buried because of the Tennessee stuff. Uh, a lot of people are talking about that. But this is, this is, this is just as worse. And, you know, we, they've got a lot of highly ranked recruits in the state of Louisiana looking at them. I saw Justin Rogers, the quarterback, kind of laughing at the a video of LSU fans booing the team I've seen I've seen other people point out how bad their receivers stats are you know five-star Terrace Marshall sitting there got to be looking at those like you know he told me look if everything's right with the offense that's where I'm going well everything's not right with the offense and you can't afford to lose a guy like that you know they don't they don't have elite wide receivers like that every year so I I do think they could be a lot of trouble and this this you know, lackadaisical look on the field is going to spill into recruiting. Now, Nick kind of want to talk about Anthony Cook, five-star defensive back. Did he take his official this weekend or is it coming up next weekend?
2: So he's, I think uh, LSU is the last one uh, that he has to go. He actually took a visit to Texas uh, this past weekend after, obviously, the Longhorns were in uh, Iowa for their game against Iowa State. So his official visit didn't include, uh, you know, the game day experience, but uh, he... Had talked to he had exchanged mess, uh, messages with uh, Jason Sukumel at Orange Bloods, and simply said that this was his best official visit yet. Um, obviously, he was in Ohio State for when Oklahoma came up there and uh, won that game. And um, I had always thought that uh, Ohio State, you know, was you know was the leader in his recruitment, regardless of uh, what you know people were saying about Texas and him, you know, consistently including LSU. But I had heard some things over the weekend suggesting that um you know L- LSU is actually or had had been in a better spot with uh Cook this season than than I would have imagined and and a lot of that has to do you know not not surprisingly with uh Cory raymond the defensive backs coach but you know when when you ask a kid you know uh does this win mean you know kids generally say wins and losses uh, in and of themselves don't mean much but uh when it when those wins and losses equate to uh coaching staff turnover at that point then it does matter in their consideration of the school so um you know I'm not sure if this is if this is huge news one way or the other but it, it, I was just I was just kind of surprised to learn that LSU had uh you know had worked itself into what sounds like a better spot with Cook than uh than I would have imagined but you know if things keep going this way for LSU I mean how you know how can any How can we expect any, you know, highly ranked recruit to to seriously be considering him in that way, right? Yeah, I
0: I just think – I don't think – Corey Raymond is a great recruiter. People love him. Kids love him. But like you said, I mean, Kelvin Joseph Joseph loved him, lives in Baton Rouge and told him to hit the bricks. I mean, so, you know, what are the chances that Anthony Cook – I mean, he's got to be looking at Ohio State and and Texas and being like, you know, mm, a lot more stable situations there, uh, especially when you've got people already – talking about Orgeron's buyout and everything. I think it's going to linger over them. I think they need to win some games. We know a lot of these, you know, pedantic questions about win, winning one game and how it affects recruiting uh, really gets under uh, Rob's skin. But it, this this is a game – you can't lose to Troy at home when you got a ton of recruits on campus. I mean, you can't do it. Same no, with Tennessee.
1: The reason it's different is because this creates uncertainty. Losing to Troy if <laughs> – if you're already a staff that a lot of people are kind of side-eyeing as, you know, what was that higher? If you lose to Troy, there's already, and I know it's year one, but there are already people that are like, this is not going to work out. And I think that's founded. I think that, I don't think that that's jumping to conclusions. I think that that's founded based on the evidence available that this coaching staff may not work out at LSU. That creates enough doubt, I think, in recruits where it's going to be like, hold up, no way. I'm not going there because in two years, guess what? There's, there's a coaching change.
2: You guys saw the uh, the Kickstarter for the for the coacho's oh, buyout, right? Well, I don't think they need a Kickstarter.
0: I think there's plenty of uh, you know, bubba gump shrimp type people down there that can show out 9 to 12 million pretty easily, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, all right, moving on. We are going to be tracking that situation closely though. So, uh, no interview this week. And uh, we had to switch up uh, our segment, which was previously called Why you Always Lying. Uh, well, I don't know. what we, I, I came up with one name, which uh, is listed here on the spreadsheet. Nick suggested I don't use that name. So I, I don't know what we sh- what,
2: what should we call this. Um, or do this segment altogether. I, you know, guess yeah, what? I think, you're like- think you're playing with fire here. I like this segment. <laughs> I'm not going to
0: call anyone a
2: liar. All right, then call it then call it Woody Womack's issue with <laughs> <laughs> whatever. This is going to be the Woody Womack.
0: Put put my name on it. The Woody uh,
2: Womack. Why are you stretching the truth?
0: Yeah, there you go. How about that? the The issue we have, the issue I have is, and and, and you know, we talked about this quite a bit a couple of weeks ago. Is you know when we have some fictional information or or some stuff that just gets thrown out there and then it becomes a narrative. Okay. So I don't I don't like it, and then I, I like to do a little fact
1: checking. And get, what do they call it, Rob? What do the what do your socialist friends call it? Gaslighting. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a term that was burned and uh, that was born out of uh, kind of relationships where uh, the man, in this case, would uh, say something over and over enough that was a falsehood, uh, and you know his partner would believe it. Um, I guess that works both ways. But yeah, I right, suppose so that is that's exactly. where that was born. All right so how about gaslight
0: well, special about gaslight special for the name of the-
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute why does gaslighting have to be a socialist term because it's not it's it's more like a uh i don't know i think it's just like a a normal american lexicon term yeah I don't know well we'll leave
0: that to the iTunes reviews uh, so <laughs> i mean anyway uh during the tennessee game uh, Garrett, uh gary danielson uh who uh you know, boy, controversial figure on this podcast, especially as it relates to Nick Kruger, which Nick might share with us in a minute. Continued to refer to Jared Guarantano, who came in the second half as a five-star recruit. He wasn't a five-star recruit. I looked on all I, – I checked I checked the three major sites because you can't find uh, – since, since Scout and 24-7 merged together, it's tough to find the old Scout rankings – Guess what? He wasn't a five star in any of the sites, so he wasn't a five star in any type of rankings. So, sorry, Gary, just don't call him a five star. Just say he was one of their top quarterback recruits. Okay. Number two, and, and this—if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm mad about this. I should, you know, we should ask some Georgia fans about this. The storyline of Kirby Smart's defense looks a lot like Alabama, and then and then we have people saying, "I asked Kirby, could these guys play at Alabama? How many of these guys could be playing at Alabama? Well, guess what? Alabama offered like seventy-five percent of the Georgia defense. These were not lightly recruited players. Okay, you're talking about you know Trenton Thompson, five-star, who Alabama wanted badly. Julian Rochester, you know." Th- Top 250 guy. I mean, go down the list, player after player. Richard LeCount, Alabama would have gladly taken his commitment. D'Angelo Gibbs, they wanted him badly. Yeah, Roquan Smith was the number 40 player in the country. Of course these guys could play at Alabama. That's why Alabama recruited them. So I, I don't like that storyline. You know, Georgia's had a problem in years with, with players not living up to their rankings or living up to the hype. Now they are. Let's not make the storyline about Alabama. I, I just I think it's... You know, George is a good team. I think it's a it's a it's a storyline that that I'm not a big fan of. And last but not least, this one, not just limited to Gary. This is all over the country. We continue to hear about uh, when it comes to Butch Jones, oh, he's a great recruiter, and this is he's got all these great recruits. Well, guess what? The the last two recruiting classes for Tennessee were fifteenth overall, okay, which is fine. That's not elite. I mean, you're you you got, you're, you're comparing them to some of these other ones. Now, the year before that, they were number five. That was a great recruiting class in 2015. And guess what? All those guys are their best players if you look at that team. Okay? Next, you go back to 2014. There's only like seven players left on the team from that recruiting class. A ton of the guys left. Guys are in the NFL like Josh Malone and uh, Derek Barnett. So, I mean, I looked at Tennessee's roster the other day. I think they have – I seriously think they have eight seniors. So, hey, let's let's do a little research before we just throw out stuff like that. I don't – you know, it didn't bother me as much when I didn't cover recruiting because I didn't care. But <laughs> now that I do, uh, I, I'm over it. Let me, how, how many seniors? Let's see. Tennessee's total roster. This includes walk-ons. They have like 12 seniors total on their whole team. So – I mean, get out of here. What do you what do you expect? So it's a it's a young team. Let's not make it seem like they've got, you know, this elite talent. They should be winning fifty games. Should they be winning eight or nine games? Probably, but they top fifteen, you know, not exactly hitting it out of the park. It's time for tweet of the week.
2: You better hope that mediocre money that you make at rivals is good enough for you for the rest of your life.
0: Boy, do I have one for you guys this week. I don't know if this is funny or not, because it's kind of a visual tweet that's the problem with, uh, with a lot of these ones that I, that I pick. The use of emojis is rampant, as we know. So, as I mentioned earlier in the show, all of the Tennessee commits tweeted out these graphics that were made for them, had their name,
1: had a picture of them in the background, said Committed dominate 18 and with. had butchered. I'll give me a get to it in ransom recommendations. Sorry. Just to remember. Remind me of this. Go ahead.
0: Okay. So, so clearly there was a, they sent them all the players and said, Hey, tweet this out. Right. Well, so J.C. Horn, who just got an offer from Clemson and was very excited about it and who's visited South Carolina since committing to Tennessee. What, a lot of people think even if they were winning, he'd be kind of wavering on that commitment. This is Joe Horn's son. He tweeted the graphic with the number 100, not even the 100 emoji. So, you know, <laughs> what do you say about that one? Well, Teon Palmer, uh, who's, com- who's a three-star defensive back committed to Duke, Tweet. <laughs> tweeted he he quote tweeted a tweet and said man he and then he put a lion emoji (laughs) so man he lion and i really like the use of the lion as a term uh which you know we know it's a sensitive word on this show but i i i enjoy i enjoyed it so tayon palmer calling jc horn a liar by using the lion emoji that's your tweet of the week
2: all right My my favorite. I I really enjoy. It. Can 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 you just bring up the uh, the dabbing tweet that I sent, that I sent you that I love so much? Which, which dabbing tweet?
0: They oh okay. All so right, uh, real quick. Uh, I'm sure Nick might have retweeted this. It was a Christian McA- tweet related to Christian McCaffrey where it said uh, Christian McCaffrey celebrating with his new Panthers teammates, and it was a bunch of kids in Lincoln like Elementary School, and each kid was taking their turn dabbing, and then it got to the. Uh, caucasian kid in the group and he didn't he didn't know how to dab is that what it was nick
2: oh man it was it was so funny i will re, i will retweet it actually and so everybody listening to this podcast can just see yeah, for and themselves I'll t- or youtube kids dabbing on a playground or something i'll, like I'll that. tweet it and from the it comes uh right from the at rivals podcast account so um <laughs> all right before
0: we move on how about this? Let me. Uh, before we move on to uh, rants and recommendations, guess what, boys? We got another iTunes review. We actually got two iTunes reviews, bringing us up to forty-one total. So we're really, uh, we're really cooking with gas on that front. This review, one one person gave us a review, did not just gave us the five stars, didn't leave a review. The next person left one, which uh, I can't read his name because it's a little bit inappropriate. It's Austin likes blank and he said good recruiting podcast now they can't complain that nobody
2: left a review on the next episode (laughs) there you go he's a amazing you he's crazy i mean guys well people need to understand this is this is your chance for like you know a couple seconds of fame like get get your name right on your itunes account we'll read your to all dozens of our listeners well, now listen, Woody and I had a conversation about some other podcasts on other networks that were presumably, you know, high, high caliber listens that, you know, don't necessarily do much uh, better or worse than us on a week to week basis. So I say we're in that rarefied air of legitimate big time sports podcast. Yeah, I did
0: some, I did do some research and we are in like the top five five to 10% of overall listened to podcasts in terms of our audience. So it's like a now, solid
1: three star, like a solid three star recruit headed to Toledo
0: right exactly we're not yeah,
2: exactly.
0: yeah we're not going to alabama but uh you know we could play in the we could play in the mac for sure so but the point of leaving the reviews it gives us something to talk about we'd love to read them on the show uh so so please leave us a review like i said the
1: criteria make fun of rob there you go i was gonna say i was waiting to say this is the first time you've mentioned this <laughs> without pointing that out but there it is make, call rob and call rob
0: a socialist uh, tell tell everyone how funny I am. Those are the usually the
1: top two things that we like. And then we uh, never get to a situation where we do a live show. You had better believe that I'm going to show up with one of those red hammer and sickle T-shirts and just sit up there and talk about redistributing <laughs> redistributing wealth. And see if I can't get something. Done. <laughs>
0: Well, we had family in town this weekend, and they were very excited to talk about uh, Uncle Carl and the Communist Manifesto episode, which went over uh, one of our all-time best. So uh, so, so please go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a review on other sites as well. Now it's time uh, for rants and recommendations. So Rob, now you
1: uh, you got something. You got a recruiting-related rant. Yeah, it just popped into my head. Do you guys feel like – and it's not really a rant. I just want to ask. Do you guys feel like this like – Asking your players, especially when you're not playing well, uh, Miami has done this, Tennessee has done this, other schools have done this, to kind of like hijack their Twitter accounts and use your status as their future coach and their scholarship holder to make them tweet out a graphic that says they're 100% committed is a little sh- crappy. Like, I, I don't know. I don't like the I don't like the way that that goes. Like, I don't like the implication of a coach calling a kid and being like, look, tweet out this graphic. And it would be one thing. if It was one of their friends asking them to do it. But – I mean, this is a guy using his stature as like a, a mentor, right? To make them do this, whether or not they are 100% committed and they're going to do it no matter what.
2: Yeah, but that's, well, you just answered your own question. These, you know, guys, guys, guys will, guys will tweet out just about any edit you send them, you know? So it doesn't, and and how many times have we heard a kid say that he's one hundred percent committed? To yeah, no, I get it. I'm just saying the coach forcing
1: or, them to do it. You know, I get mad enough when like, you know, I, I I don't know. I just I just don't think I don't like the way that I don't like the implication of it. I guess.
0: Yeah, it's like telling a kid to wish you happy birthday. You know, I mean, <laughs> what type of person? I, please tell that story. <laughs> please. Well, I told it last week. Yeah. I told it. I, I told it last I week. That was on the air. Off. Uh, yeah, that was on the air. So, um, anyway, all right. I'm with you on that one. I, I like the kids getting the graphics and tweeting them on their own, but to have it be a coordinated effort like that is is kind of a little. To talk about shallow and pedantic. Yeah, um, and do
1: you think like okay, so who's it for? Right,
0: um, it's too like I guess to sort of trick the fans and exactly they're thinking. Oh. The
1: recruits are all in with this coach. We can't fire him. It's unbelievable, and, and it's not. And, and to think that your fan base is so stupid that they won't see through it is another thing. It's like how dumb do you think these people are? I, 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 they all, yeah, all these kids got together and they really wanted to show solidarity and tweet out these pictures at the same time. This was not something that the coaching staff forced them to do. Just. Take the heat off of them. It's so, God. Football coaches. I uh, all right. Just <laughs> well, then you have three of the highest ranked kids not tweet it. So yeah, and I then mean, sometimes it backfires, which
0: I'm glad. Right then, it creates even more of a story. So I'm with you on that one.
2: Uh, congratulations, Rob. You did have a rant
1: after Way all. You go, turned Rob. it into one. All right, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, let's let's redistribute the wealth in this country. I mean, <laughs> okay. Now, I've got a rant. Uh, which you guys. You know, I don't know how much.
0: Obviously, uh, Rob's very uses Snapchat quite a bit. Does not have an Instagram or Facebook. Um, Nick, you know, I don't know if Nick uses any social media anymore. Depends. He goes. Nick is a a great Snapchatter when he wants to be. Doesn't really commit to it. Um, But I have a big problem with people who go to things. You know, we're going away for a weekend. And this goes back to our boy, Andrew Bone, who uh, we started this podcast originally way back in the day, making fun of his concert snaps, which, by the way, is still a a major problem all around the country, an epidemic, I might even say. People go to things, and they, they they maybe go to a beach house or something with some of their friends, and they do a snap or an Instagram story, and it says, So It Begins... And oftentimes that's it. That's the only thing they post for three days, and it's like so. What begins? That's, I hate that expression. Stop saying it. So it begins. I don't want to see so it begins popping up on my.
2: Well, I, you know, in in their defense, I would say if they if they tweet out a so it begins or a, a snap a so it begins picture, and then you don't hear anything for the next three days, <laughs> it probably means that they're they're really getting after it and having that a good means time. It really so. began. Really. It did begin.
1: It no,
2: number down. two, also related to
0: uh, Instagram and or Snapchat stories, which you can f- add me at Rivals Woody on both of those uh, social medias.
1: Coming your brain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pictures of, okay, people are listening to Pandora or Spotify on their phone and they, snap, they do a screenshot of the song they're listening to. Then they post it on the, as their story. And it's just presented without – comment. guess what? If I want to see what you're listening to on Spotify, I can look on my Spotify. There's a thing on the side that says what everyone's listening to. Tim Stevens right now listening to Macklemore.
1: Big shout.
2: Oh, no. Who is – oh, no? Oh, Versace oh, on the floor you,
0: by
1: Bruno Mars. you got to edit that Clark. out. That's not that – that is not nice to Tim. You just right. dimed Tim out for listening to Macklemore. <laughs> These are all media people too. I know.
0: Chris Cornell works at – Listening to Moose, Moonshine Freeze by This Is the Kit. Uh, Aaron Tepper, who, whose dad is Uncle Carl, listening to "Shout" from Tom Petty. Topical. Okay, I can see what everyone's listening to. I don't need you to put it on there. Great, you're listening to you know Cat Stevens or whatever. I don't. I don't need to see the pic, the pictures of the songs. The screenshot. Don't need it. Sorry, leave it.
2: No, but you know what? That's still at least that. That's not as bad as like people that just. As as somebody else on this podcast has been known to do, hold the phone and record video of your radio while the song's playing while you're driving. <laughs> I've I,
1: I been guilty of that kind of time. I do that
2: sometimes <laughs> too, but yeah, usually there's a. Uh it's usually self-deprecating
1: on my, it's never Macklemore. I want to say that out loud, but sometimes it's brand new. never Macklemore and Ryan Lewis.
2: No, I'm saying it's you, you're implicating yourself in, in Texas, that gets you arrested. (laughs) Quick,
1: quickly. (laughs) In Texas, like, you know, having too high pitched of a voice will also get you arrested. And (laughs) (laughs) I know it's amazing. Socialist rants from, from
0: Rob. Now, uh real quick my recommendation curb your enthusiasm came back this week i'd highly recommend listening to that i would also recommend if you're a big fan of that show listening to the origins podcast with james andrew miller uh, where he interviews people about the show very entertaining i liked it a lot nick and i are also listening to a podcast uh, what is it called nick dirty joe dirty john john uh, by the la times very entertaining. Nick and I are loving it. Two episodes in, you could find that on iTunes as well. Nick, what do you got? I see Beauty, Beauty slash Beast. I hope this is not for Beauty and the Beast the movie. Well, oh
1: my! Yeah, right the right. movie. Don't, I, record, well, don't record the radio on your no, phone. No, no, rush out and go see Beauty and the Beast.
2: No, 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 no. Listen, it it, it was just on Netflix. Uh, I I I. There's only I didn't care for the movie as a whole, but the one the one sequence where they did be our guest. And that was like that was the clear high point of the movie. They put all their they put all their chips into that sequence, and it was amazing. So I, if you can just YouTube the BR Guest song from the new Beauty and the Beast movie, you know it's a, it's a good like seven minutes of. Would you of believe that enjoyment. I was in a Beauty
1: and the Beast musical in elementary school and still remember every word of that song? I could sing it right now.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> Which character? Which character were you in the musical? I, I think
1: it was the candle. I can't really remember though. You were the I was candle. Heard,
2: so that was that was your song then. You should you yeah. No wonder you know the words. I say let it ride. Uh, I, let, let's I hear it. I can give
1: you the first. Nah, I, I don't want to sing are guest. Guest, oh, on the movie. Come on, be guest. Go ahead. Put our magic to the test. Tie a napkin around your neck, Sherry, and we provide the rest. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm going. <laughs> oh, <that's> great, <laughs> Great job. It. Right, okay. Guess what?
0: The rest of that movie's terrible because they have one dinner and next thing you know, they're in love. Okay, guess what? She was kidnapped. Okay.
2: <laughs> no, there's a lot more that goes on with that. I mean, he saved lot her of, life. They. Really want to talk like, about if Rob if Socialist.
1: Women if women don't fall in love with you after one dinner, I can't relate to you.
2: Well, I've got
0: news for you. If I'm a feminist and I watch that movie, talk about problematic. I got a lot of issues with this beast. You know, guess what? You can't just you can't just take people hostage. I'm sorry because the dude took what? What happened? He took an apple. What? What did he get? So oh, a rose.
1: Yeah,
2: uh,
0: he, I mean, come on, yeah. dude. How about a How about a trial by jury? And guess what? Gaston, especially in the cartoon, you know, there's some tendencies there that would, you know, maybe get you put in jail. Okay. <laughs> not to mention he tried to murder the dad, left him tied up out in the woods. He should have been sentenced to death. But the Beast should have killed him.
2: Wow, boy. Spoiler alert <laughs> oh, after spoiler anyway, alert. But the Beast by now. That's not really
0: Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) That is a good scene. I like the song, but guess what? Sorry, Beast. You should have never left Downton Abbey. What were you thinking, Cousin Matthew? Horrible career decision. Uh, So you ruined the whole show, too. So that's it. I wish we could just put, put Rob singing on a loop to play
1: us out. But guess what? <laughs> Enduce, back in the yeah, studio. Hey, my I... recommendation, but the NHL is back. Uh, uh, it starts uh, You can watch the Oilers God. play the Flames. Connor McDavid is impressive. He's great. He's the greatest hockey player in the history of the world. Uh, this is a good time to get into the NHL. All the players are young. I just started this last year. Uh watched all of the last <laughs> season. was very excited about it. Uh, I recommend that other people do the same. The NHL is great. It's fun. Yeah, but the NHL is boring. Rob's been a fan for a year now.
0: He'll move on to some once they get a soccer team in miami he'll be having a scarf and everything like that so don't watch don't watch hockey i i watched hockey for three years and i got paid to do it and it was still boring <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> you, you uh, watched like what was it like the, the
0: ahl the echl oh even better <laughs> several former highly ranked draft picks uh making their way through uh through town and, and uh, competing with Nick for girls at, at FGCU. <laughs> so anyway, that wraps it up for us. As I was saying before Rob uh, cut me off, m is back in the studio producing new music. Check him out on SoundCloud. You can also find him on Facebook, m Music, and uh, he will uh, have the music to play us out as usual. Oregon State, still terrible, m